Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dc news 35 that's dc n-e-w-s 35 dc news 35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com Well, hey there, all you DC Comics news fans, fans of comics, podcasts about comics, lists of comics, top five lists, and even more. You've come to the right place because you have arrived at the DC Comics news spinner rack. This is episode number 103, and as that beautiful, beautiful intro music has faded off into the distance and we are left with you, me, and a stack of books to choose from, I go ahead and pull the first one, there, 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 I pull the first one from the pile. And when I do, I find it is Robin number one. What an excellent book this is to uh, kick off a Robin solo series in a story titled Versus the World. Robin is, he's just not cute. He's adorably mean and um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> to be honest, when you, when you read through the story and you take in the images first it starts off with the idea that no one's seen him and he's been doing his best to avoid attention he's well trained not only by league of assassins but by his own father and in the process he's picked up a few tricks along the way not to mention technology and the one thing that bruce batman is thinking about and that is that there was also the need for motivation when it comes to this one, the key here is that Damien is still angry. He's angry at Bane. He's angry at the loss of Alfred. He's angry at sitting there at the table, helpless, while it happened. And now, he's on a quest to find the League of Lazarus. And he's not alone. There are plenty of others. And in fact, that's what kicks off this series, a great story written by Joshua Williamson. Don't mind the chewing sounds in the background. That's just my French bulldog, Bruno. He decided to pop in with my pit bull, Fiji. There's a little bit of chewing on a uh, rawhide. No, not quite rawhide. I'm not sure what kind of bones these are, but they're the kind that appear to last forever, and they've always got one lugging around between their teeth. In this story by Joshua Williamson, we have beautiful art by Gleb Melnikov. Letters by ALW's Troy Pateri, and a cover and variant cover, not only by Gleb Melnikov, but variant covers by Ricardo Federici, Andy Kubert, and Brad Anderson, and Yihung Lee. And it's those beautiful artists who introduce us to a fight ring where young Damien is facing off with a very 
familiar nemesis of the Robins, one who Tim Drake fought and defeated. He goes by the name of the Kingsnake. He's also known as Sir Edmund Dorrance. That name is so terrifying to some that even that muscle car that just drove away is doing its best to get quickly away from me and anything to do with the King Snake. However, Damien doesn't experience that same kind of fear, and there's a beautiful image that I've recently heard will be featured on a uh, upcoming reprint cover soon, and it's one in which Damien simply says, your tattoo is stupid. And that's a pretty funny one because there was an ominous feeling behind that tattoo when it was Tim Drake going up against Sir Edmund Dorrance and against other members of the Bat family when Dorrance was something of an impressive figure. Oh, so, so long ago in the 90s. What Damien secures with his win is a ticket and the right to go to a competition. But he's not going alone. He still has the memory of Alfred with him. And Alfred is not pulling any punches, is clear, direct, and unflinching in his assessment, not only of what Damien is doing, but the reasons behind why he is doing it. It's Alfred's belief that Damien doesn't really know who he is while he is searching for the opportunity to join the League of Lazarus tournament and prove just how good he is. Interestingly enough, we get a quick little assessment of some of the other members who are traveling on this journey to the League of Lazarus, as my French Bulldog Bruno sighs in hmm, expectation, I believe. He's seen me read these stories before I get the chance to come on and talk with you. But there's some lovely copyright infringement suggestions There is even a member of the Slade Wilson family in attendance, as well as a few other familiar faces who are all greeted by Mother Soul, who is the, if nothing else in this issue, the MC of the event, where Robin stakes his claim to being the greatest fighter there, until we get the introduction of a new character named Flatline. From here on out... Flatline not only explains who she is and what she's capable of, but in the process, we have an opportunity to see just how good and also how much still there is left to learn for young Damian Wayne. Because of that, this issue kicks off with an amazing blast, one that (laughs) offers not only beautiful art, gorgeous colors, uh, mysterious and fantastical uh, environments like Lazarus Island, as well as its uniquely textured and shaped uh, landside, mountainsides, landscape. You choose your word. I won't judge. What I will say is, Robin number one, great way to kick off this week's episode. If you're going to be 103 episodes into the DC Comics new spinner rack, well, why not make that number 103 all about a great number one? And for that one, I am happy to talk to you about Robin number one. I know once you read it, you're going to be Jonesman for issue number two, like I am. And if you're not, hey, send me a message, explain why. I want to know. I honestly, honestly do. 
So leaning back in the squeaky chair, it's fun for me to move from a number one for my first choice into a number two for my second choice, second book here on episode number 103. I'm talking about Teen Titans Academy number two. (laughs) For starters, there's a great original cover featuring all of the new members of the Academy, the new roster, wearing a very, um, well... A mask that they should not be wearing. However, at the same time, there's also a legacy that goes with this mask. One that's been addressed in the first issue. One that uh, makes an appearance, if not a direct one, in this issue number two. Great story from Tim Sheridan with pencils by Rafa Sandoval, inks by Jordi Tarragona, Alejandro Sanchez providing the colors, and Rob Lay with the letters, original cover by Sandoval and Sanchez, with variant cover by Philip Tan and Elmer Santos. It's hard to choose between the two. They both feature that iconic mask we were talking about, and yet at the same time, two different takes on the mask, both a bit playful, a bit tongue-in-cheek. For me, a lot of fun to enjoy, but it's the mask, that character of Red X, the past that is haunting right now Dick Grayson and the entire class and the rest of the faculty at Titans Academy. But we also have an opportunity to zoom in a bit on character who is referring to herself as Bolt. She is known currently to the team as Alinta and she's interesting to watch run because it's one of the few times I've seen a character with speed who also does not have the lower portion of their legs. Bolt runs with blades that uh, have become um, one of the most recognizable tools for sprinters who need their assistance and can utilize them to replace limbs that are no longer uh, whole or complete and through them still accomplish many of their great feats. Bolt is just one of the many characters that we get a chance to learn more about, and (laughs) among them are those like Stitch, also (laughs) uh, a few others who I I think for the most part are really quite adorable. And then of course there's always the the Titan's tension, the... uh, you know, the ongoing, off-again, on-again, sort of maybe not quite really Dick Grayson and Starfire. And then, of course, there's Barbara. And it doesn't seem to stop them from spending time with each other, but it does seem to uh, get in the way of their ability to be teachers when they're so busy focusing on other problems. Now, what I love about this is that it seems to be a... a An expectation of a lot of the members of the team, especially when Dick says, hey, I think I might be blowing it with Corey. And essentially, (laughs) Cyborg's like, that fast? What's wrong with you? And everything gets interrupted when, once again, Dick Grayson is met with Red X. And after a brief flurry, brief flurry, Red X takes off. And Dick is on the hunt, but unable to compensate for a quick moment of misdirection that pulls his eye away from the figure he was chasing to something else 
and then leads to a decision to address the entire student body about Red X. But there's also the problem that Red X appears to be in competition with others who have come to deal with, collect, or at least make an appearance in the life of Bolt. And when they do, feels like everything in her life is about to take a sudden and unexpected turn. Curious to see how this will play out. Absolutely love the texture and feeling of Titans Academy. The really gorgeous shots like the full page one that shows the back of the Titans Tower and gives you a almost like a dollhouse view of the dorms of the training facilities and the other options available and also then to zoom in with this sorry it's not just a full page whoa that's my french bulldog it's not just a full page it's a double page spread that moves from that great shot and then transitions into a shot in which the uh, student body is gathered gorgeous colors great shading i love the lines i love the the sense that everything should be bright and yet, when you're around characters like Dick or Donna Troy, it seems like the shadows deepen. Um, and there's an ominous quality that comes with that, which I think is also um, something that extends to the moments in the shadow when, <laughs> when essentially you're seeing what's happening and it seems to darken those shadows as though once you're in more shadows, those shadows become even darker lovely work that that is a lovely foreshadowing clearly of not only things that are coming in this issue but things will be coming along in this first story arc love the direction love the setup and the execution love the collaboration between great writing and a great art team and i love choosing a great book as our second choice right before we move into our ad break with that that five out of five book titans academy number two on the list and checked off we move into our ad break we'll be right back after you hear all the great stuff that's available for you at the push of a button and when you're all done come on back i'll be right here hey there dc fans this is josh rayner editor-in-chief of dc comics news here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35 that's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5 DCNEWS35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com Hi everyone I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. 
regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For f**k's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah, 
and possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> Here's <laughs> hoping. <laughs> we're gonna have guests on this show. We're gonna be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want. God damn it. All right. We're gonna Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes. Content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And there goes that cool, smooth, brassy sound as we come right back to episode number 103 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, well, I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and we are moving into my third choice for this week's episode. I'm talking about Detective Comics number 1035, and the reason I'm talking about it is, man, I love the direction that we are taking things on with Bruce Wayne as he is... Well, not quite settling in, but becoming more and more familiar with not only his brownstone, but the people that reside around him and how they are quickly taking center stage in his life and how it is that they have become so important to everything that's going on, not only with Bruce's personal life, with the Batman, but also with Mayor Nakano and so many of the things that we saw awaiting Gotham in the future when those issues of Future State were released a few months back. In The Story in the Neighborhood Part 2 by Mariko Tamaki, gorgeous art and cover by Dan Mora, with colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Aditya Bidikar, a variant cover by Lee Bermejo, and inside, a gorgeous story. One that features one of Bruce Wayne's neighbors, Sarah Worth, and her partner, Sam Turn. Sarah has gone missing. A tragic event occurred last issue, and now the hunt is on to find Sarah before it's too late. Because of the influence of not only Sarah, but her father's family, and the money that they have, and the influence they hold, especially with Mayor Nakano's office. The response is quick, immediate, although not fast enough to get there before Batman does. Lovely lettering work here, showcasing not only the dialogue between characters, but the internal monologue of Batman, and then other elements that just give the voices a resonance that you don't always find, but when great letters are at work, it just sings. I don't know how else to describe it. Batman, of course, is first on the scene and then quickly becomes not only a suspect, an outlaw, but the target of live ammo fired in his direction. 
And in the process, he witnesses events that are really out of his control. I mean, once something happens to someone and there are services to recognize that event and family are given the opportunity to speak, some of those family present as many challenges as everything that preceded them. For example, Mr. Worth, not a happy guy, not a small guy, wealthy, determined, driven, and willing, it appears, to do just about anything. Now, yeah, that might put my French bulldog down there snoring away to sleep, but when it comes to other facets of Gotham, the influence of Mr. Worth is wide and appears to touch on so many different levels, so many different people. What we end up getting because of that is not only this main story, but then a side story, one in which transformation is violent, dangerous, and because of it, well, there's a lot more, not only in store, but awaiting everyone as this story continues. What I love is that we quickly transition from the main story into a great backup second story, Huntress, Mary Knox, Part 1. Written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Clayton Henry, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Aditya Bidikar. A lot of familiar names from the earlier story, but also a few new ones in there. And I love the take on Huntress. Um, I love the character of Mary Knox, who's introduced someone who just can't stop talking. Did you ever know anyone like that? Yeah. Well... I have, and I've also probably been that person. Trust me, if you've heard me talk, you know that sometimes it's just a matter of when I run out of air or take a breath, if you or anyone is going to get something in edgewise. And for a time, the focus of the story is the idea of Mary Knox being just a tad annoying, always out walking her cat Doug on a leash, always doing so at dangerous times. Much like the first time that Huntress finds Mary and then saves her, only to then be uh, <laughs> berated for so many different questions about whether or not Huntress has a license, or why it is that she's even doing what she's doing, and if she lives out there, knows the area. And then things drastically change, when first there's an exchange, and there's a, a feeling that maybe lines that were respected and understood have been crossed, boundaries have not been respected, and soon Huntress is looking for this woman who she knew, who made a place in the Huntress's life. And in the process of looking for her, what the Huntress finds is a mission and a direction and I believe those who are at the end of that mission and direction, i.e. the target, they're probably going to be a little upset that they've let them, this happen to themselves because Huntress is relentless. She's willing to take the pain to dish out the punishment, which means it's only a matter of time before we find out who it is that's going to get it and just how bad they're going to get it. Now, keeping this train a chugga-chugga-choo-chooing along 
is Action Comics number 1030. 10.30 if you like it, 1030 if you like it otherwise, and then there's just 1030. So pick your poison, you know, peruse your pleasure. The story Warworld Rising by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Daniel Samper. Adriano Lucas on the colors, Dave Sharp on the letters, and really so much to enjoy, whether it's the Mikhail Yanin cover, the Julian Titino Tedesco variant cover, or all of the wondrous stuff inside. Love the sense of color and the ominous, foreboding, apocalyptic, like apocalypse, feeling of Warworld and Mongol, and also the suggestion that there has always been a threat to Mongol, one in which the progeny of whoever is currently the Mongol is eventually the one to usurp the reigning Mongol, and that this cycle is interrupted by a stranger who wishes to see Warworld progress under different terms or for different reasons. We also get a wonderful shift then to Earth, to <laughs> Superman, and to an awkward exchange between Batman and Ray Palmer about what's happening to Superman's powers, what is causing it, and what should be done about it. And then, then there's the real joy, which is <laughs> watching Superboy, Jonathan Kent, and Robin, Damian Wayne. Yeah, I know, I know. Damian was, you know, supposed to be missing when it has to do with the recent Robin series, and yet there's an interesting little um, opportunity to talk about that between the two friends. And when they do, what we get, well, that's some good stuff. Now, eventually the story does shift us back to more about what's going on with Superman, a lovely exchange between he and Lois, and a visit to the libraries of Candor, where Lois is working on a research assignment for a project that she is doing her best to unwrap, but of course there's so much material to uncover. And then there's the arrival of surprise visitors, those who remind Superman of a time in his past and a people he thought were long gone, and suggest, just suggest that what he thought he knew is actually not as concrete as what is he is about to discover. Plus, there is the gorgeous story of The Passenger Part 2, a really great tale featuring the Midnighter, Apollo, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, with art by Michael Avon Deming, colors by Taki Soma, letters by Dave Sharp, and an idea of just how dangerous the relationship that Midnighter has developed with that computer in his head. What it's doing to him, his relationship, and what else might be going on that, if he's not aware of, will be extremely dangerous. And if he is, is such a slow burn that, man, you have to wonder what's going to happen when Midnighter finally plays his hand. Now for my fifth and final book. I chose to go with Batman Superman number 17, a wonderful play on a classic story, i.e. when worlds collide, or in worlds collide, in which the dynamic, definitely powerful duo 
meet a figure known as otter.io or otter.io. Now, otter.io claims to be a creator of world, and he looks kind of like a living film projector, surrounded by spools and spools of film reels. And as those reels unwind, gosh, there is some absolutely gorgeous art taking place here. And as it does, we see that Superman is transported to a world, one in which his design, even his iconic S, is very different. And he meets a Batman and Robin who don't know him or Lois Lane. And then we learn just so much about what it means for these two characters to have a first meeting to learn together about what they can from each other, including the fact that without Superman around, Metropolis has fallen into a, well, a living situation that feels very similar to Gotham. There are, of course, familiar faces like Lex Luthor, but they appear very different. Now, because it's an alternate Earth, there are alternate versions of characters, including Lois Lane. And there are alternate realities that describe just what it is that needs to be done in order to sort of fix everything that's happening. However, there are dangerous, dangerous pieces of the past, of history, and relics that, once they're in the hands of figures like Otter.io, well, they suggest a lot of dangerous challenges in the future for not only Superman and Batman, but we'll have to see if that story makes it back here on the spinner rack coming up on 1030, issue number of Action Comics, World's Burn. I love this great story by Gene Luen Yang. Loved his work on Superman Smashes the Clan. Uh, great pencils by Ivan Rice, beautiful inks and colors, Danny Miki and Sabine Rich, or Rich, respectively. Saida Temofonte on the letters with an original cover by Rice, Miki, and Rich, as well as a variant cover by Rodolfo Migliari. Gorgeous stuff in here. I mean, really inventive, uh, almost experimental approaches to the art style really gorgeous colors i love the shadings i love the tint somehow that even brought my french bulldog bruno back around he's here he's at my feet he's snarbling we're going to do our best sometimes that's just all you can do most importantly for me is the way that like a conductor in a symphony the team working on this project brought together creates a wonderful really gorgeous story and it is a treat for the eyes and the ears, especially if you read some of this stuff out loud, sometimes it can make the experience a completely different feel. Looking forward to hearing all of your thoughts on my top five choices for this week. Just like every week, this has been DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 103. I'm here with Bruno and Fiji, and we're going to go ahead and sign off and say thanks for hanging out. For every episode you've had a chance to tune into, we'll be back next week, just like always. Make sure you're always part of the conversation. How do you do it? Two choices, either on your favorite social media platform from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and more. Just use the at symbol, DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. 
when you use that amazing tag, guess what? Not only are you going to potentially get my little French Bulldog all excited, but you're also going to send us a message that the entire team at DC Comics News can read, answer questions, respond to, or just feel cheered along by whatever it is you have to share. And then second, of course, when you subscribe, you make sure that you always catch the newest episodes of The Spinner Rack, Batman the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series, Episode by Episode Breakdown, I Am the Night by Steve J. Ray, Stuff like Mad Love, and of course, the weekly DC Comics News podcast, sharing with you all of the top news stories from movies, television, streaming, comics, and more. Make sure you never miss out. And of course, we'd love to hear what you're thinking. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. You can find me right here each and every week, either on the weekly podcast or hosting the Spinner Rack. Until next time, as we like to say here, always read more comics.